is this place? This looks magical. It's my studio. That's cool. Yeah. So what does it mean, make it brutal? Oh, that was for when I was working on... When I, that was when I was producing the songs of my EP. Yeah. And then I didn't really know what they should sound like or different than what they sound live. So I was just trying to kind of hold on to, you know, any principles. And it's like, yeah, like it should be brutal in general, not for the EP, just in general, like, you know, or, or like a condensated drop of an elephant stone, you know, like. Uh huh. So, yeah. But what That's does just... brutal mean to you in, the, in, in, a, in a musical setting or in a creative setting? Just that it, it would be something mm -hmm. strongly what it chooses to be. Doesn't mean that it has to be loud or ugly or just that whatever it is, it is boldly that, you know? <laughs> you know what? That's something that really strikes me or struck me when we first met. Like a lot of people have problems being themselves, being natural, being honest. I don't think you have that problem at all. Like uh, I, I first met you and I immediately had a feeling that I'm really talking to you, that I see you. Same. And, thank you. But with a lot of people at first, when you meet them, everybody's kind of acting a little bit, acting to please, acting to, I don't know, to be somewhere in, in, in the end, they, they are somebody else. And at the end you discover that, that wasn't you, but with mm -hmm. you, you know, I had the feeling like you're a natural with music, but you're also very natural in, in human interaction. And was it always the case for, for you or was it something that you had to discover or to, to, to unravel or, How was it for you? Well, thank you, because that's a very nice thing to say. Um, I don't remember searching for that. I mean, I don't think about it too much. I, yeah. I mean, of course, if it's if something's natural to you, you don't think about it. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but I think I I could I I was able to learn a lot of things from working with you that way. Um, because it also transcended or it was the same thing with your music. I felt like it has to be like this, you know, it, there's mm -hmm. room for discovery and, and making things, things up in the moment. But also I trusted you from the first moment. That, that's so nice. I really had such a beautiful time working with you because I felt, yeah, it, it felt so, um, Organic. I was thinking how fortunate it is that we're having this conversation after we played together. Mm -hmm. Kind of yeah. gives us some such a big scope. Yeah, we can relive the experience maybe a little bit together. Okay. So you sent me a text and I took three weeks to answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I said, I apologize. This happens to me a lot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I was very, very excited to hear from you because uh, I, of course, knew who you were. We met already um, in Den Bosch, 
-hmm. you were playing with Jasper Blom. Yeah. Uh, and I was playing after with Perceli. Mm -hmm. And then you were sitting there so peacefully in the dressing room. <laughs> and then, like, I don't know, we said hi, we introduced each other. I already knew who you were. And then, like, three hours later, you were like, hey, I listened to your album. It's so yeah. beautiful. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this this man is fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's some, yeah, I got a feeling, you know, I got a feeling that... Um, you were serious in a way and and um you you were um very confident confident and i didn't hear a note of what you guys played when you know i had to leave after the concert so i didn't hear what you guys were doing but i sometimes you get a feeling about somebody you get a feeling oh because you meet so many people and you say hi to so many people a lot of things also pass you by somehow mm -hmm. But when you get a feeling, I think we have to follow that feeling. So I checked out the music and I really liked it. And, and um, of course, then I became a fan. And, and oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. Was right, curious you. To, to know more about you. And then we invited you to the Clang Festival in Köln and gave you kind of a carte blanche to choose musicians from the Cologne scene or put together with people from your scene. Can you tell me a little bit about that process, how you thought about um, this instrumentation that we uh, had in the end with Shannon Barnett on, on trombone and Lewis Cole on drums and myself on, on synths and Mellotron yeah. and you on the bass and uh, vo vocals? Um, I think the world of synths has been calling me for quite some time. <laughs> Um, I always played acoustic music and have been doing that for many, many years and often had inspiration from electronic music, but immediately just thought, okay, how do I make this happen acoustically? Um, I think part of it is also because I started playing so much with Louis Cole and his, you know, his music and, and Genevieve Bertali's music also involved more sense and they became such close friends of mine that, um, I mean, I was feeling it already before that, but it, that was kind of something that had been pulling me. And I really like as well the kind of harmony as in a lot of melodies together. And I think that's how I've written most of my things in the past few years. Um, now I'm a bit in a transition, but past few years has been like that. So working with voices or working with Perceli that is like, you know, a horn, like a trumpet, saxophone and voice. And bass. And, and bass. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And bass. Exactly. That is such a nice combination for oh, me. Totally. Like I just love to have like low spectrum, middle, like slightly empty. And then, you know, a bit on the higher, I mean, high, mid, but to have a lot of space in between. I really, really like. So, what flute. does it? Sorry, but what does yeah, that please. space do to you? It just sounds fresh to me. Kind of, it's so pleasant to my ears. Like, um, yeah, it just mm -hmm. it has so much openness for 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 harmonies to be ambiguous and uh, mysterious in a way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was thinking, oh, it would be so nice to do something with flutes or, and then, 
you know, the melatonin away can be a way of flutes. And I was feeling the calling of the synths and stuff. Um, so I think, yeah, part of that was, okay, uh, just trying something different. Like, I was excited to do something very different from what I had done before. As you know, that period was super tormentous. How you say that? Like, um, it was a very difficult moment for me. I was going through very painful hardships. So I kind of also just had to be slightly practical because it was not going to be a moment for me to... Uh, I mean, I know I was dreaming, but also I, I mean, I was also going through a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, they told me, keep, you told me, keep the group small. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So then I was listening to recordings of you and a lot of other people that you sent me. I thought, wow, trombone, I never worked with trombone. Wow, mm -hmm. Shannon is so cool and she sings too. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I heard your recording also of Embraceable You. And I was like, that's so nice like mm -hmm. to have an electronic sound. And then, of course, I was already excited to work with Louis too. It had been on my mind. So, yeah, I think that's how it came together. Now I have... I bought this summer this Yamaha Reface CS and I'm having a blast. That's like mm -hmm. my favorite thing to play with right now. I don't know much. I mean, I didn't know anything. Now I know a tiny, tiny bit. And I'm in yeah. this phase in which like every day is like you learn twice as much because I really am coming from zero. But um, yeah, I'm really excited with this world now. Yeah. So what's your discovery I mean, how does it how does it work? You just turn the knobs and see what happens, or yeah. But I also got together with a friend, Dario Trapani, who knows more uh, about sense, who knows a lot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, can you can we hang out? Can you explain it to me? It's good to have somebody like that around, right? My God, amazing! Yeah. It's so much more pleasurable. I mean, I could have done it also not all of it but a lot of it with youtube but i was just like oh it's so much nicer to yeah. meet with someone that you like and knows a lot about it and have a nice time and then discover it so that kind of saved me a lot of steps like because he he was very good at explaining it but for the rest i mean there's a lot of mystery still like when i'm going to do something now i'm starting to get a better sense of what it will do i don't know how it is for you like you were i remember you were telling me that since he's also a slightly unexplored territory for you like you play it but not so yeah. much yeah, uh, I, I know nothing about it but i too. play it huh? <laughs> i know nothing about it but i play it you okay. know i love yeah. the sound and yeah. i totally uh, study you know my my heroes who played it you know uh -huh. but not on the technical side not on the gear side i'm not that yeah. interested in gear or instruments in general mm -hmm. really I'm yeah. more interested in the notes and the, the people. Um, yeah. And I don't have much patience to sit through those YouTube videos YouTube. that you, mm -hmm. that you you know, where mm -hmm. you have to listen to a lot of things that maybe aren't that interesting or usually the, when somebody then demonstrates something, it's usually not that musically so interesting. I think right. most of the time there are exceptions and then it's incredible. Mm -hmm. That's why also I have a friend who, who really knows what I'm looking for and, and uh, we share a similar taste. 
So nice. that's always great. Then you, where you can say, you know, this recording, how can you get a sound like this? Or right. what you, do exactly. you have to do? Or yeah. he already knows what I don't have patience for, or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, or, um, yeah, what's important to me. And then you can, you can discuss and, and find out things together. Yeah. But um, can we go back to the to the quartet situation at Klang yeah. with the songs? Um, how you put those together? Um, well, first there was the sound of what the band could be, and then I had some sketches um, that I just had to develop because it was such a challenging time i initially would have liked to write a whole new program for that but i also had to just choose what do i have that will work well with this so i chose cuantas or in my ep is called principio uh, that we played with innovation and that was i think that was so magical i really 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 love that mm. um and noche as well because of course it's It fits so well in this world of, you know, the high spectrum, low spectrum, and yeah. the melotrone, the flutes, the trombone. Yeah. Uh, then we played a sketch that I'm actually now re reworking um, of the Isn't It Normal yeah. That I Feel Pain? Because yeah. I had also a beat from Lewis. So then the backwards like, okay. beat. Huh? He told me it's like he he thought about thought of the the beat as kind of a backwards beat, like it's a beat that he turned around and it's actually something else. Oh, the way I wrote on it was not the way he heard it. No, no, no. the The way the the beat that he's playing, he said, mm -hmm. is uh -huh. kind of a beat in reverse, oh. an actual beat, but in reverse. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. That makes sense. Yeah, it sounds really That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, same, just develop a song over that beat. You know, I had that sketch. I, that's kind of often, I just, I often just do that. Either I'm, you know, playing around with an instrument and then get a sketch, get, you know, a thing, or there's all these voice notes from me on the bike or something. So grab one and try to put little pieces together. Like voice memos that you sing in the park? Yeah, all nice. of them are like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did Noche also start like this? No, actually, Noche I wrote because I was in Siena, I think it was 2019, doing the jazz workshop that they organized there. I, I got a grant to go spend those two weeks there, which was very cool. And then Ambrose Akinmusiter, I never say his last name well, um, but he was there and I was in his ensemble and he said that he liked doing that exercise of writing a song within one hour or maybe he said half an hour but i was just like one hour is probably okay um mm -hmm. to try to have a finished composition yeah and also jen Xiu was there that week mm -hmm. and she was showing us this this system of having numbers like one is a semitone two is a whole tone three minor third etc so she was like yeah what's your birthday Yeah. So my birthday was like, ooh, 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 and then one yeah. more note that I left out. 
I mean, I just made a melody. I rearranged the, the, I mean, those are the intervals. That's my birthday. But, you know, I just chose a melody that I liked. And then that same day, Ambrose was like, yeah, I like writing songs within one hour. And I had a poem that I, from living here in Amsterdam, uh, I was already living here. What am I saying? Yeah. I woke <laughs> up in the middle of the night mm. in my house in Amsterdam North and I, really felt like, wow, the, the night somehow really reminded me of the feeling of the night where I grew up. Um, so I made a poem about that. Mm. So I kind of just grabbed that poem, grabbed the my birthday phrase, and then put on a timer and then came up with this. So that's how that one was. Great. What I really love about Notche is that each part builds on the next one without really repeating so much what has came mm. before, but really adding something on top. Mm. Um, I had a lesson with Guillermo Klein mm. uh, last year about composition, two lessons actually, and it was really great. And we talked about a B section. What's a great B section? Okay. The one and that makes the A section feel good again? Yeah. It makes the A section feel good, but also adds a new material that uh -huh. is uh, maybe even not, It's logical that it comes, but it's also a surprise in a way. And then it makes you want to relive the A section again, or the next, you know, you want to go somewhere else after that. Mm -hmm. But it has to add new content. And I feel right. like each part in Noche is another B section after that. You know, it kind of uh, builds on top, builds on top. That's nice. Uh, with the chords also where, you know, it becomes bigger and bigger in a way. It's really cool. That's very nice. Thank you. I didn't even notice that we had started the interview. I thought we were testing the microphone and suddenly <laughs> we're just, in it. Yeah, suddenly we're in it. It's so not I'm an interview. Like, hey, nice <laughs> to see you too, Pablo. Yeah. I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for checking out the podcast. If you enjoyed these conversations, please join me on patreon.com slash Pablo Held. For more educational videos on various musical topics, early access to episodes, lead sheets, online hangouts, listening sessions, music recommendations, Bandcamp discount, and more behind-the-scenes stuff from the podcast. The generous support of my patrons helps me to pay for the running costs of the podcast, and it also helps me to keep it going into the future. Thank you so much, and let's get back to the episode. Quantas. I think Quantas is my favorite song. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What what's the new name of it? Principio. Principio. Um that's another song where I feel like I couldn't anticipate each section that comes mm. after the, the next section, you know? Um but in the end it all makes total sense so that, that i'm interested in that journey from where you start with the song and where you end up yeah i was thinking it's funny that uh, ambrose comes up again actually for this one because i wrote that one a very long time ago like 2017 um and it's a song about growing up or you know stages of yeah of growing up And um, I had a poem or a text, like I just write in my notebook all the time. I had this text. And then I was really listening to um, 
Bartha during that time. Bartha. Who is that? It's a song by Andrews. Ah, okay. Bartha. Mm -hmm. And he has this. So I was studying and I straight up just kind of was inspired by that. And then just wrote over the poem, finding my own harmonies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I always want or would love if it could happen that the lyrics amplify the music and the other way around. So, you know, just, oh, this place feels like it should open or get darker mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and then for the last section, actually, where it's kind of spacey mm -hmm. and uh, it took me a very long time to find what to do there. I tried a lot of things, always a bit like this, they had to think, but I had this end of the poem and then I found a melody for it, but I was just like, never really knew how to link this with the first part. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think I played a solo concert in which I brought the harmonium mm. and I tried then I, I played this song on the harmonium and then it was so natural to do it that way, you know, mm -hmm. and I really loved it. So kind of stayed the arrangement. We talked yeah. about that moment. Yeah. What did we say? I don't know what we said, but I remember this. It came up and it's still, you know, it's. It's a moment where everything like l lights up in a way even brighter than, uh, than yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, because that's where the poem says. Uh, you know, I mean, I take it from a bit before. After came the promises of what would be when life was at its point, you know, like ripe. Mm -hmm. uh, felizmente proyectadas, happily projected in this world and embroidered with uh, principles and oaths so that's like the brightest moment mm. you know so that's why the harmony does that there you go mm -hmm. yeah beautiful i mean what is your do you have kind of a set of ethics uh, that are important to you when you lead a band well i think that everyone feels good and has a fair treatment would be the first one, of course. Um, and then besides that, I don't really know what to say. I mean, you mean stuff like what kind of individuality they should have or creative space they should have or what kind of things are you thinking about? You can take it wherever you uh, feel, you know, this this topic. But my initial idea was to talk about what is important to you when you lead a band, not in terms of the others, but like what you give. Oh, what how I give. You, how you lead, you know. Uh, I am so curious. Can I ask that question to you so I understand <laughs> a bit what kind of things you're thinking about? <laughs> Well, I try to I try to lead a band the way I would like to be. I think about how I would like to be treated if I'm if I would be a side person yeah, in this setting, beautiful. you know. Yeah. So I try to look after the people. 
Right. Yeah. Although I like a certain amount of challenge uh -huh. and and inspiration also to give as a band leader in terms of not let everybody do what they're comfortable with, comfortable with, or mm -hmm. inside their comfort zone, but also give something that takes them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And do you think about that while you're writing the music or is that an afterthought? Sometimes. Yeah. So sometimes I think about, you know, my basis is Robert, um, mm -hmm. Robert Lanfermann. So I, I think about what would be something that he might like to play here. Yeah. Sometimes. Or I might think I would love to hear something like this from him, you right. know, once in a while, you know, That's so beautiful. I write something yeah. like this. Or um, I've never heard him play something like this, you know, or, you know, a challenge a li little uh -huh. bit. Uh, always with the first thought that you think about the person first, not in terms of yeah, whoever's going to play it. I want the bassist to play this, you know, it's more uh, like who, who's yeah. playing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. when I see you with the Ensemble Grande, you know, I, I feel like you really think about the people who are there with you on stage. That's very nice. I was thinking while you were saying this that um, that makes sense because you know your band members, especially Robert, for many years now you've been working together. So, of course, you you have that information of, oh, what would he like playing and things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, so I'm curious how, how it would have been the first time you played together, you know, and... Yeah, the first time... Sometimes I... you just bring the music you have, right? Totally, yeah. totally, yeah. First time we played together as a trio was they were already the established and older students of Cologne, you know, uh -huh. and I was the young hotshot coming to town okay. uh, and was happy to at first get a session with them because they were so busy already and everybody wanted to play with them. Yeah. So I was excited and just brought all my music. But I think in retrospect, they also told me like I was pretty confident. Mm. So afterwards, I supposedly said to them, you're my trio now. <laughs> okay. And they were like, all like, right. Oh, okay. Where's the t-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Should make a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, first time we played with Ensemble, it was definitely like this. That was actually my graduation project. Um from the conservatory and i just had all these beautiful friends that i love so much personally and also very fortunately are some of my favorite musicians in the whole world so i was thinking how do i get as many people <laughs> as many of my friends on stage with me because my parents are going to come and they have never mm. visited me in europe and it's a special thing you know mm. and i had been listening a lot to totola Momposina this uh, Colombian legend and she her her music is mainly drums and voice in many of, of oh, the please, albums because it's traditional yeah. please recommend an album what's the album My that God. I should I should get I don't know this person uh, La Candela Viva La Can La Candela Viva La Candela Viva okay incredible cool that is like you put it on and it's like sunshine will flood ah. wherever you are it is magical mm -hmm. so i had been listening to that a lot and um then i don't know i as i tell you like 
this thing of the you know i was also i guess excited to break free already i was doing it but you know from the maybe traditional jazz sounds i had been in for so many years you know with a like a quartet that pianist plays chords and there's a bass player and something like i i just yeah i was looking for something else and i absorbed so much folkloric music as well in my bringing in was kind of coming back to that and yeah voice is something i always wanted to do so i thought this is my chance mm -hmm. um so i i wrote something then i was like five voices seems good <laughs> and wrote some more and then okay i love these two drummers and i want the sound of like a drum ensemble amazing they're two of my best friends here we go same with jose and alistair the mm -hmm. horn players so i i remember having a very strong feeling of i had individual sessions with each kind of organ of the group like with the singers uh with the drummers with the horn players and the person was the main the main feature you know yeah. of course like this um yeah this way of doing music which is free kind of people who are improvisers and uh that kind of treat music as a ritual you know and mm -hmm. uh, have a vision of something kind of beyond just their playing um and i write or then especially i was playing songs and i played them many times um so i always wanted to find this in-between zone com of composed music and improvised music and which is actually pretty hard as a band leader i'm sure you will you will agree because it can be like do whatever you want but just not that yeah you know so i think because i had these sessions with each group it was really magical because i just remember that was the moment i understood wow this is why improvisation is so exciting and beautiful because whatever the inter the musician does there kind of skips that step of interpretation because it will come from a place in which their ears and heart told them we have to play this now yeah and then it is already you know music loaded with intention whereas sometimes when you take composed music you need to first figure out what's the music and then try to figure out the intention i mean it's not always the case but it is you know th that step of interpretation like here is this composed music and a gesture that it's improvised when it comes from a pure place is just perfect in itself mm -hmm. like there is no way that is not great art because it comes from a place of intention and message and everything so i had these pre improvised sessions with each organ and i was like wow so fascinated by the sounds for example the first session we had with alistair and jose i just was really into clusters then because i i was really recording um I'm going in a long journey. Go ahead. <laughs> but um, I had this game I really liked playing at that time, which was I will sing a song. I recorded on Logic. Uh, I think the first one I did was Recuerdos de Pacaray. Una noche tibia nos conocimos junto al agua azul de Pacaray. 
Tú cantabas triste por el camino, viejas melodías en guaraní. This one is nice because the melody in itself sounds so much like a chord progression, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, so I like to record that song. So say each track, each note would be a singer. All of them were me, but for example, una noche tibia nos conocí. Un, un. Let me see. Si. So I would go like una noche tibia. Si. Una noche. So noche. I mean, I would take each note, I would write them down and then turn them into cluster or whatever chord would come out like mm. each phrase would become a chord so i have la ba ba la da 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 put all the notes vertically then you get a chord yeah um so i would like to record a lot of songs in that way just because i was searching for different harmonies and i never know how to find different harmonies i always want something else than what is obvious to my hands and i never know where to find it i transcribe i found the different tricks at different times just to how can i find a sound that is fresh to me yeah uh, so that's the game i was playing there taking any song we lived our little drama i remember i also did and then you get these magical clusters and then sometimes the b section becomes like two bars because it's like only two phrases actually and then the a section has a lot of melodic material so it's really long or the other way around so, so i'm can you yeah. explain again so i'm trying to understand yeah. so you're taking a melody yeah and take all the pitches together yeah as and then they become one chord yeah exactly like if you of course often you will repeat notes right so yes. you just you know you just don't repeat it you just put them all like that and then you have a chord But so, where's the melody then? The melody's gone? Yeah, this is just a, a thing to get chords. Right, okay. Yeah. But then, it, actually, if you use those chords to comp the melody, it sounds pretty freaky. Yeah. Even though it is the actual melody, it always gives such a different harmony. Oh, not always. I mean, for example, in the case of the first song I brought, it's pretty clear mm -hmm. that it's, you know, the harmony. But uh, yeah, it often gives a very different connotation of the harmony than the one that the song originally had. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I analyze in the melody which syllable with which lyrics is on the same note. And then I would just sing that and wait for my turn. Like I do a lead track with the melody and then wait for my tongue for, turn for that syllable to come again and just sing it and hold it. So then I get like all the lyrics, but in a sustained cluster. Wow. Yeah. So I was playing with that a lot. So I was mm -hmm. really into clusters during that period. Uh, so I had a session with the singers in which we would play these clusters. And I, you know, made these little mechanisms for the song Olas, uh, mm -hmm. you know, which is like a, a composition, but it's improvised. So it's just mechanisms yeah. of stuff that is interesting sounding to me is that on uh, the first ensemble uh, yeah that's on the live album, album. Right, that was okay. actually our first concert ever yeah um wow yeah that was it the, sounds like a band uh yeah it was really I, it's up to now i think the one in which i felt the most this revelation because i never really heard the whole thing up until we were on stage wow uh and it was incredible like i mm -hmm. felt like wow these songs that i have played for a few years or a couple of years 
feel the most like themselves right now because they have this pocket of improvisation. Like that was always a part of it in my vision of how can I get all these people together that I know so well and I love so much. So I had these sessions uh, when we did the one with the horn players. It also, we were playing with clusters and then actually I think just warming up no, not even like while I'm pulling up the bass or something, Alistair was playing and then Jose starts improvising. It was magical. Mm. And that's how Perseli was born because we were yeah. like, wow, shall we get a gig with this? Because yeah. this is incredible, you know? Yeah. And it, it, with them, I feel the thing I've never, I mean, it's a really a treasure I'm going to take to my grave. Like, yeah. we never have to talk about anything. It's just music. That's so it happens cool. like songs, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really magical. So, I had that those sessions recorded, the one with the singers, the one with the drums. And then I think I even had them overlapped. Uh, I'm mm. taking a long thing, but you tell me if it's too much. No, I love it. I had them all in one session and logic to kind of keep them, to have them there while I was trying to see what I was going to compose. I think I even played them at the same time. And I was like, this sounds sick. And they mm. were different things. So uh, what was the original question? <laughs> oh, yeah. Leading so, a band, basically. Leading a band, yeah. In that case, I was like, wow. Just how can I create that space in which they, because I know them so well, will bring the most perfect gestures. And at the same time, because it comes from them, but they were so well selected somehow for their mm -hmm. roles. I felt there, then it just made my songs make more sense than ever before. Mm. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was a very, very exciting discovery for me. Like one of the biggest ones I've felt in music when we played together that first time. Um, if you choose so, the right people, the music will somehow take care of itself in a way. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And then, yeah, also choose where is... Sometimes this is super free, but I really need you to play this voicing here. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. this. What What are those pins that make mm -hmm. the song the song is, is something I'm super uh, interested in. We want certain things from the music, but then mm -hmm. we choose people and people are, you know, beings with their own minds. If you choose the right minds, you know, they, they will come up with things that enlarge the whole thing and you can't sure. really yeah especially if so many people are on stage you know yeah that's a yeah, combination yeah, yeah. like so many things can happen yeah. definitely i rely heavily on that too mm -hmm. yeah like and now i'm writing new music for them that we're going to play end of october and then i have the rehearsals booked just the week before and i'm like oh no because i always have just brought it and then I see what they did, and then I structure that into a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You, so now you feel like it's too tight? Uh, it will be okay, but if I manage to get one session with them this month so I can try out a lot. It's just that the most interesting things, also with Persilian, so I have been able to, or the ones I find more interesting, it's not necessarily interesting for anyone else, but I have been able to find because there was that little extra pocket of, I have this weird idea, can we try it out? And it's like, yeah. And then, ah, you know, that it doesn't have to work straight away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, 
I would love if that could happen, but if not, it will be totally fine. I think it's also, especially now, like we're all in a different phase. Actually, the band is different. Like some members are different than the original lineup. I mean, I think it is absolutely beautiful the way it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is all kind of changing. Everyone's so, so, so much more, how do you say that? So much busier, so much more busy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, touring all the time. So, of course, the the structures of working together have changed, too. Well, if that's this first record of yours, um, if this was your, what was it, the, the, the end exam concert? Yeah. I'm curious about, if you study this music, jazz and improvised music, There's a certain academic structure that we need to go through, apparently. Mm. And that is different from every school. But Amsterdam is a, is a great school uh, where so many great people come out of that school. But also, I think it, they rely a lot, and for good reason, also on the tradition of this music. Mm. Um, and when I hear this record or the record that came after that i wonder how much at home you felt in this system um or what you got out of it that then supported your own vision yeah that's a very nice question first of all i found my band yeah and the people i work with not everyone now i work with a lot of people that are in different environments too obviously but um I mean, first, it brought me a community of incredible musicians. So that was, I think, the most important thing. Uh, but also, yeah, what I was searching for was different than many of the classes material, but it never really bothered me too much. I was also very excited to understand. I mean, remember the first year? I had this amazing theory teacher called Walter Stuhlmacher who uh, really opened my world. Like I just was so marveled to understand harmony a bit better because I came from, it, it's also good, but you know, I had studied with more like what they call the Berkeley approach mm-hmm. in which you just label kind of chords and not so much understand the inner movement of fun- harmony as a functional thing, you know, mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. not really just about the notes and you put a number on the chord to, to name it, you know, it's more about like, what is it? Then this diminished chord is the same as this other thing. So, I mean, for me, that was super interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I also met people that were doing things I never heard before, like all the people of the scene. I think it's just the school, not only, you know, the scene I was in. I would go to a lot of sessions and everyone from, you know, the heritage of the instant composers pool. Yeah, that was a whole new world for me, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Freely improvised music done with this dedication, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh Yeah, I think also the influences of classical music that inevitably are very strong here because, and in Europe in general, I mean, in Mexico, people have very strong foundation also with 
Latin American folklore and things like that. And that informs jazz musicians in an amazing way that is different than the European music informs jazz musicians here, you know? So that was opening a lot of sounds in my mind. Um, for example, Taisime, the guitar player, I, a dear friend and guitar player I work with sometimes, he showed me this album uh, called Equilibrium by Cecil Vera Peterson and mm -hmm. Mikael Anderson, I think. Am I saying this wrong? Um, I, I don't know this. It's a trio with guitar, mm -hmm. clarinet and voice. Mm -hmm. And that was on my first year here. And then she was singing like this open voicings, uh, just with her voice, like, oh, e things mm -hmm. like that, you know? And I was like, what? You can't do this. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, of course, then as a singer, then I can also have harmony because if I am in a reverberant space, then I get chords, you know? Mm -hmm. Or things like that. Um, so there was a lot of like new things that I think eventually, like I'm so grateful for the worlds it opened to for me to find the language that feels mine. Yeah. I mean, not mine as in a possessive way, but that I feel at home with now. And, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I think that wouldn't have happened in the same way. I'm sure it would have happened in a different one, but now it's a strong part of my values and everything. Mm. And, you know, Rainier Bass was super inspiring to me also when I came here. Mm -hmm. And Ben van Gelder and, um, yeah, a lot of people. Ernst Glero, my bass teacher, mm -hmm. a total music lover and amazing bassist, you know. But this openness uh, of, uh, yeah, of improvised music, I think, mm -hmm. brought me a lot. I'm interested in the in the theory teacher. Oh yeah. So He's can can great. you tell me like what are the things that you still think about that he has shown you guys? You know what? Because I haven't been writing music so much like that with this kind of more mm, I don't know how to say because it's not common or but I haven't really been writing like in this European functional harmony way in a very long time. So that was a major discovery for me. We would write like piano arrangements of songs and then understand why, why this voicing sounds good and this one is not satisfying. So stuff like, yeah, if you have the third repeated, it's not mm -hmm. going to feel so good. I was like, mm -hmm. whoa, that's true. I hear it. it mm -hmm. just, so it, it just gave me so many tools in that way, just to find a bit more nuanced um, sounds, you know, because mm -hmm. it it's an aid. He would always say educated guessing. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we did a lot of piano scores and then analyzed pieces and I had also this class I'm going now to a different teacher so it was not it but just uh, to analyze Ravel's music and stuff mm. but I actually right now I'm kind of in a study very study mode again um, past few years I was more just like writing from my voice and going more for like energies and things like that and transcribing music sometimes to find what that could sound like <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, 
But right now I really feel like I want to be a student of music more. I mean, you never stop, but um, so I, was, I, I got these books, like uh, Arvo Part mm. uh, scores and the manuscripts also. I don't know if you know this book. Um, you know this one? I'm about to start it. Oh, I mean, I just started yesterday, so I don't know so much yet. I don't this know, but that, isn't that yeah, also a piece? Yeah, it's the album, but I think it has the original manuscripts. Oh, would you so show then, them for a second? Yes. You know, which he's someone that really fascinates me, Arvo Part. So he's like my total yeah. music father, grandpa, but he doesn't yeah. know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I would love to meet him. Do you know um, the interview with Björk and him? Yeah, I've seen it. It's oh, beautiful. It's nice, huh? Björk is another absolute hero of mine. Yeah, I yeah. was I was going to ask you about her, what she means to you. Yeah, I actually met her once in a party. Oh. In Reykjavik. Um, I w was doing, an, I was just, had a layover there, and my friend Jelena Cedic, she was singing in a choir, And uh, it was a festival organized by Sigur Ros in the Harpa, you know, the main hall there. Beautiful place. And then, yeah, then she was like, let's go to the after party in the backstage. And then I was like, who's that woman that looks like? <laughs> and she's like, it is Bjork. <laughs> And she had the Utopia, the Utopia look that night, I remember. But I had not listened to her music then. Mm -hmm. I hadn't. So I remember I felt Which strange. Is this? this was end of 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, and I saw her and she actually <laughs> was like orbiting, not orbiting because it's not, it was not with me, but just, you know, when you're in a party and she actually spent a lot of time that day. I remember just kind of looking at people by herself and she was always kind of close to me and I was just, I felt so strange because I was just like, I have, as you said, such a strong feeling just by how people talk about her that this is going to be someone important for me. I mm -hmm. just have never checked out her music. So I, I sat in a couch and then she came and she sat next to me and she said, hi. <laughs> and I was like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, because Harpa is all made of glass, there was also a northern light happening right then. So it was just like Iceland, mm, wow. <laughs> Iceland explosion. But yeah, I didn't even know what to say because I had this feeling like you must be, you are so important to me, I can tell, but I don't know your music and I don't know if this is weird, you know? Did you say I, to her? No, I didn't because as soon as she said uh, hi, I said hi. And then someone came and uh, started speaking Icelandic with her. So that was it. You know, we didn't talk anymore. Yeah, your little Björk moment. Wow. My little Björk moment. And then I was uh, traveling from the Siena trip, I told you, in 2019. Um, doing the interrail thing. That was the thing I discovered. Mm. And I did an insane thing then, or it's not so insane, but yeah, like I just went with my base from Amsterdam to Italy with the train. And then after I didn't know where I was going. I mean, that's like two days or something. Mm -hmm. Then when it was over, I didn't know where I was going. So I, I don't know. I was just feeling out life, you know? So I was there with this, in this train that I had endless rides on with my base 
wrote someone I found on the internet that had like a cottage in the Trentino Veneto area. Mm-hmm. Looked nice and naturey. I grew up in nature, so I really have missed it sometimes mm-hmm. during these years living in the city. So I was just like, yeah, I need that, especially after finishing school. Uh, and I remember I felt like music was, I had not felt excited listening to music in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you feel that the world goes like, Poof! it's such mm-hmm. a special feeling. It's a treasure every time that happens. Yeah. And it hadn't happened to me in a long time. Mm-hmm. So I was on that train and then I put on my headphones. I was like, let's check out what Bjork is. Yeah. And, you know, headphones. And I was just reading the lyrics. It was so magical because I was there on this trip by myself that I had no idea what it was. And then the big mountains started appearing. And I was listening to Post first. Whoa, and okay. um, and I felt that. You know, I was just like, whoa, she brought me back to life. You know, it was it hit me so hard. And mm. then I spent these days with this wonderful family and I had nothing, you know, I had to pay no, you say in Spanish, pay no bills or, I mean, that's not entirely true, but you know, when you don't have to recount to anyone what you're doing. So I was just like going on long walks in the Alps and then coming back to my room and putting on the headphones and listening to Bjork and it was just it felt so vivid so I think from then I just kind of devoured her work and uh I just love how I just love how she really goes for the sounds that are in her heart and yeah. is an innovator so that's what's very inspiring to me yeah totally have you checked out her podcast is <clears throat> a podcast there's a podcast where she talks about each album and uh, certain songs and how she wrote them and how she produced the album. <clears throat> it's I mean, really good. It's really good. Yeah. That sounds cool. I'll check it out. Yeah. You know what else I like about her? That I think the interdisciplinary aspect really speaks to me. Mm. Also, the fact she's from a very kind of, you know, in a way remote. I mean, remote is so relative because for the people living there is not remote, you know, (laughs) but it's not like a mainstream country in a way. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just find it so cool that she, she managed to translate her ideas on such a large scale without, you know, having to fit in with the other things that were happening. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that I yeah, the interdisciplinary aspect really speaks to me. Yeah, I never feel like she's constricted by anything. Right. Or even if if there's something that is maybe a, <clears throat> a difficulty, it's mm-hmm. something that propels her then or makes yeah. it even stronger. Have you met her? No, I'd love to. I'd yeah. love to I mean I've tried a long time to get her on the podcast, so we'll, yeah. we'll see. But, if only uh, I had known then, I could have told her in that couch. Yeah, that would have been, would have been the perfect <laughs> You know, I don't know your music, but a friend of mine knows your music. <laughs> really needs you on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you, would you do now if you would sit on the couch and she would be like, hi? I guess I would just... A, feels nervous, but... Um, mm-hmm. 
think I would just tell her thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. You've given me so much. Yeah. Have you learned um, songs by her? <clears throat> yeah, I can sing many of them, mm -hmm. but they're so particular to her singing. It always uh, feels pretty strange mm -hmm. when anyone else sings it, including me. It's like, similar to Joni, Joni's songs, right? Yeah, I feel that even more with Bjork. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I, I can see where you're coming from. I actually wanted to, but never finished it. Like um, that hidden place one. Oh, yeah. I wanted to re... That was going to be my first one, <laughs> but that's kind of a project that yeah, to redo the arrangement, but only with my like with acoustic things in my yeah surrounding. That was also 2020 or something that I was doing it just to understand more of her world. And I was curious mm -hmm. how that would sound. Yeah, that's interesting, because whenever you alter the instrumentation of a piece, you see the piece mm. in a different light. Yeah. Like with classical pieces, when you, if there's an orchestral piece and then you hear like the piano re reduction or vice versa, if it's a piano piece and then Ravel puts it into a, an orchestral setting. Um, or lately I heard <clears throat> Le Sacre du Printemps mm -hmm. played on two pianos by Marta Agerich and Daniel Barenboim. And you just hear the, the, the composition in a totally different um, way. Some of the notes become more approachable, for me at least, um, mm. if you hear it in a different instrumentation. Or if right. you play Bach on a keyboard or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You see it in a different light. I think sound is the first thing we absorb when we're mm -hmm. listening, like the kind of timbre thing. Like that is really the make it or break it for yeah. for every human kind of yeah unless you kind of push it <clears> further <throat> and train you really sometimes i have this with a lot of songs i love for example from brazilian pop or something then i often overlooked them because i didn't like the sound of the arrangements from the 70s with like the electric bass and the synths and the kind of and then you know someone made a cover and i was like oh my God, mm -hmm. song, and uh, kind of, yeah. Yeah, but That's those like moments also make it make you reappreciate the original version. At for least, sure. it's, then you love it me. too. Yeah, yeah, and it makes you love more songs that sound like that that mm -hmm. you wouldn't have loved before. Yeah, maybe. a different perspective changes everything. Like a, a listening perspective, like yeah. right now, <clears throat> or for the past couple of months, I've been checking out more piano sonatas by Mozart. Uh -huh. And I was never really a Mozart fan or, or of course, I respected, you know, his whole thing and, and uh, the music and everything that he has accomplished is incredible. Um, but, you know, the music of Ravel or Stravinsky touches me in a different way. But right now I'm listening, I've, I heard this one piano sonata, I think it's number 16 and the second movement and listening to it. And I felt like, whoa, he, whoa, the, the way he's developing the material, 
you know and the material is nice yeah it's simple in a way it's um <clears throat> childlike at some in some moments very sweet but then it it really hit me like wow the way he's developing that material and what he does with one idea is yeah. so deep yeah that it made me check out as much as I could from the piano sonatas, you know? Right. And, and now I hear everything in different light and it's, exactly. it's killing, you know, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's deep and it's moving me in a different, you know, it's, it, it had to take this one different listening yeah. perspective. Yeah. How often does that happen to you with lyrics or did that even happen that because you know, the lyrics of a song, then you love it more. Hmm. Um, to be honest, I've been um, for the most of for most of my life, I've been a little bit uh, mm, I've, lyrics haven't been that important to me. I have to say for a I long see. time. Yeah. Uh, but certain artists uh, where I feel like I can't resist the lyrics, I have to listen to them mm -hmm. because I naturally gravitate towards other things in music first. Mm -hmm. But there are certain artists like Joni or or uh, Björk sometimes, you know, or, mm -hmm. or um, uh, Madison Cunningham, or like people where I have I have to listen to the lyrics. Like I right. I can't help it, you know. With yeah. you, there's the problem that most of the time I don't understand what I you're, know. you know. Yeah. I would love to. It sounds <laughs> incredible, and I'm listening really hard. <laughs> but I can't understand it. You know? I know. But you know what I'm talking okay. about when yeah, yeah. somebody makes you listen, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oftentimes, especially in jazz, I feel like, and especially sometimes when German people sing English lyrics, mm -hmm. I feel like, are you really aware of what you're singing? Because it's not reaching me. I don't understand the words, okay. although I can speak English. Yeah, You know, it takes a certain kind of artist, I feel, uh, to really grab your attention or mm. my <laughs> attention, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, towards their lyrics, the lyrics. So um, how to, that's a good question maybe that we could talk about, like how, how does one deliver lyrics so they stop being words and really get to you. Yeah. Because when we talk, we don't think about the words. Right. We think about what we want to get across. Yeah. And when we think about the lyrics, when we play a song, yeah. it makes us rethink or, or rearrange our ideas of how to approach a song. Because when yeah. we know what it is about, yeah. we're going to play differently. Right. Yeah, that somehow feels a little bit like this thing we were talking about the improvisation having the perfect being perfect because it comes from an intention like when we're talking it also the emotion is there already because it comes from a need to express a thing we are not interpreting it we're just putting the inflection on it that we needed to so then I guess when we have a song that we are going to perform, we could try to understand what that means, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think for that, I've noticed in myself, I mean, I think it's it's been 
some time in which I work a lot like on interpretation because often now I play mostly my own songs and that just kind of comes from I mean I know exactly what it is about you know yeah uh, and I never have managed to write about anything I don't feel why uh, would you <laughs> you know yeah I know but some people yeah. which is beautiful that they just develop the craft and write and write and I kind of it is the same as journaling to me like mm -hmm. it, it just comes out whatever like I, i've never written anything i mean i guess exercises every now and then but always is like something was really boring but uh that part actually has been yeah super important to me when when i was really into standards or which i still love i just don't do that so much anymore or boleros or everything but mm. just how can it feel just like the word like what is what you're saying you know like that's why i love billy holiday so much because i feel like she just does that you know mm. and for me it's a very um i mean it's personal i guess someone else would feel it differently mm -hmm. but that's a, the first thing i feel when a singer is singing lyrics just like if the words feel like I'm putting through a message or if they're like an aesthetic delivery, you know, if they're just like a, an accessory of some, you know, beautiful voice or beautiful melody or something. Um, so I often worked on that by writing them down, mm -hmm. trying to really feel what they could mean to me and then speak them yeah speak them ask if they were and then try to keep that feeling and you know if if, if it's a meticulous work i i did it like that sometimes and uh yeah i don't know hopefully it's helpful for anyone listening to this that <laughs> is trying to work on that <laughs> Yeah, I felt sure like it, it helped me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and do you... Um, where do I have your lyrics? I had some... Oh, yeah. We had some here. Quantas has the lyrics in the sheet. Oh. But I also, you know, I like your sheets. But I also like when you write something by hand. You know, this year. <laughs> I like this yeah and also this i like i like this <laughs> yeah it's cool little cheat sheets mm -hmm. yeah but when you play with uh Perseli or the 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 ensemble um <clears throat> nobody's really reading the music no so what is your process of teaching the music to the people do you teach it to them with sheet music or without sheet, sheet music? Uh, personally, we don't ever, there has never been sheet music because... Interesting. We just wrote... I mean, no, there were a couple of songs that Alistair brought. Yeah, I'm lying. My bad. <laughs> the ones we wrote together, there was never sheet music because we started through the pandemic having sessions in Alistair and Sunmi had this incredible studio then that was an old um, film music studio. So it mm. was huge because it was supposed to fit on an orchestra. And then there was a visual artist that worked there and 
also let them use it as their music studio. So we would meet there with this beautiful reverb and take as many hours as we wanted. Everything was a bit, you know, it was possible. Wow. Uh, and find things together. <clears throat> so that kind of process by itself implies that there's no music uh, mm -hmm. score because we made it like it comes. And a lot of what we play is improvised, like many tracks uh, of the album and live. It's just like even the ones with lyrics, they're fully improvised in the spot. Alistair brought some and then we work on them to find the sound. Um, for the trio yeah then um for the large ensemble yeah i wrote scores especially for the vocal harmonies and then never really wrote drum scores because i just don't know how to do that yeah me neither no it's more like maybe if i actually have a beat then show the recording and then we figure it out um and yeah i understood now that a lot of it i mean i already knew it but i had to i called some other people to play with us because some people could make it or something and i was like oh shit how do i translate this into a score <laughs> because mm -hmm. we kind of uh we went out for two days in the countryside for like half of a repertoire or something and i had you know the the melodies and the vocal harmonies and things like that but it kind of the texture aspect, which is so important, we we kind of found it all together often. So uh, I don't really like reading on stage. I mean, I will do everything in my power to not do that. I feel yeah. like it changes the connection with the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what's your process of memorizing music? Mm. I guess it depends on the kind of song. Are you doing okay? Yeah. I'm totally, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> okay, doing okay, good. I no, just no. have this awareness. I'm just like, if you get tired, you tell me. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, good. We're fine. I mean, I am tired. I'm I'm a father, so I, I yeah. uh, often go to bed early. But yeah. no, I, I'm, I, I love this. So okay. it's, all, it's all good, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, for memorizing music, I think if it's a song song, I will also do it through the lyrics often, mm -hmm, like yeah. finding meaning. And then it just kind of then it sprouts out of you easier because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it comes from meaning. Uh, just practice it and then try it and then mess up and check what it was supposed to be and then mm -hmm. do it again. I think nothing special. What about yeah. you? Well, for a long time, too long time, I w it was kind of a visual remembrance mm. of the sheet. Yeah. And to me, that wasn't the right way to do it. So when I kind of discovered the, um, the underlying logic of a song or a piece of music when i understand that it kind of becomes easier to remember exactly for me yeah. so i know that the the melody starts on the ninth yeah and the bass starts on the you know mm -hmm. <clears throat> whatever sub subdominant you yeah. know if i think in these kind of terms actually keys are not 
so much the problem. Okay. But I know what the logic behind the notes are and what it's right. supposed to mean. And what, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and of, often I, I just listen to the songs on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, same. So they, I do that too. That's subconscious. It becomes part of you. So you can, because I have a pretty good musical memory in terms of I listened mm -hmm. to an album for a long time. I can switch it on like this. And yeah. also it's usually in the right key and it's in my mind mm, yeah. and it's in the right tempo and whatever. Right. It's, it's like a recording, but I, I have to listen to it for a long, long time. Yeah. 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 Is that because it, then it's in your body, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think for me, the, I mean, not for me now, I'm like a me, 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 <laughs> but just uh, when learning something, the goal would be to feel it that it's you know to have a body memory of it or yeah because this kind of knowing what there is always makes me feel it they're very helpful and sometimes i have to go to them but it feels like a gadget mm -hmm. to bring me to the thing when it's not in my body yet yeah that's true like the ultimate goal is exactly when it just comes out in the right tempo right here because mm -hmm. so even like you know especially because of the multitasking often because mm -hmm. then if I don't, if it's not in my body, it often just is very hard <laughs> mm -hmm. to kind of be intellectual about two instruments at the same time for me. Uh, and how's even... your relation to pitches? Because right now when you sang Notche, I think you sang it in the right key. Mm, yeah, I mean, you no, know, often it is, but sometimes not. Uh -huh. So it's a flexible it. thing, but... but yeah yeah but with things i heard a lot a lot you know and it's, yeah yeah that's interesting right so it, it's so ingrained hey is that an ipod classic you have there <laughs> it, i've been looking thing, at it well yeah. this thing exactly no, that's a, a how do you call it a metronome oh yeah nice because i have to work on my time i think but I'm not using it as often <laughs> as I should, maybe. But it's there, so I, you know, I feel the guilt when I look at it. You so, know. where do you hold the pictures in your studio? Um, this is Federico Monpo, Shirley Horn, Weather Report, with Jaco Pastorius and Peter Erskine and Wayne and Zavinul, and that's it. Horowitz. Miles and Tony, Rachmaninov, Duke Ellington. After Duke uh, Ellington? Ron, uh, Tony and Herbie, Louis Armstrong, Evan Jones, Maurice Ravel. I think that's Miles and Bill Evans. There's Joni somewhere and... Um, Stravinsky and yeah, more people that are important to me. Hall I want to add more. There's there's so many that should be up there as well. But um, yeah, there was one one moment a couple of years ago where I felt like I need all my heroes to look at me. <laughs> okay. Not in, not in a that sounds egoistic, but more <laughs> in a, uh, what I what, what I wanted from it was like I wanted to find pictures where they look into the camera. Okay. With a certain expression in terms of. Okay, so what do you come up with now? Right. Not that I 
see myself in, you know, that I should be in their company or whatever. But more, I, I wanted mm. there, sometimes I feel like, I feel this, you know, from my heroes. I feel um, not pressure, but like encouragement, but also like challenge in terms of, you know, I feel like they tell us with all the things that they have done, you know, now yeah. you, what, yeah. what you, yeah, you, know? for sure. you love Björk, fine. You know, you love my music. I'm Björk now. You love my music, fine. But what about you? So I wanted right. to find pictures where they look into the camera like this uh, with an expression that makes you be like, yeah, let me figure things out. Let me, let me work on it. Let me, you know. That's so cool. But I want to extend, I want to have this whole thing full of people. So there has to be some other people as well that I forgot. <laughs> Who do you think you would add now? Lily Boulanger. Okay. Uh, for sure. Um, you think Mary Lou Williams. Um, oh, you're putting me on the spot now, right now. Uh, Those are good names. Yeah. Maybe Mozart. Yeah. Huh? Maybe Mozart now. Nice. <laughs> Earned that place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It always, you know, it's interesting how 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 important th uh, people are for you in a certain time, and you, know, you listen to them mm -hmm. all the time, and then you f not forget about them, but somebody else takes that place a little bit. Yeah. And it, that that new person makes you feel or see the other person in a different light. Right. But then that other person comes up again. You know, it's it's interesting how it how how through what kind of phases we go through as artists. Yeah. Who are on, on heavy rotation right now? There's a pianist called um Consuela, Consuela Lee. Okay. And I'm checking her out at the moment. Um I saw a, a great post by uh Sullivan Fortner. He played All the Things You Are and he dedicated this version of All the Things You Are to Consuela Lee. And usually if somebody that I trust says a name that I don't know <clears throat> and I get a feeling that, that that person means a lot to them, I check that person out. Like you right. already said a lot of names right now that I have to check out. I'm still uh, struggling to remem remember them, but there you go. Uh, it's a good thing that I record this. Um, but, you know, if, if a person that I trust says something like this, mm. I have to check it out. Because usually I will find something that I like as well, usually. Yeah. Uh, maybe it, is, it doesn't become as important to me, but usually... Because if you like somebody, if you love somebody, mm, there's a connection already. Of course. You you feel connected to it, and you also feel um, attracted by something that you don't have. I feel you know, mm. um, you're not falling in love with another you. You're falling in love with somebody else who is you know maybe a complementary thing. Um, so also in music, we listen to something that we don't have. I feel. So if. Sullivan is listening to somebody. He's listening to Consuela for for guidance in some kind of way, 
right. or pleasure, of course, as well. Yeah, so yeah. I'm interested in see what does yeah. Sullivan feel when Makes he a lot of sense. Uh, when he when he listens to Consuela, and even yeah. like why don't don't I know this name? You know? Yes. So apparently, Consuela Lee was an incredible piano player, composer who was well respected, but didn't really have a, a, a big moment in the spotlight. Like when, many, when did she live? She lived in, I think she was born in the 20s and died in 2009. Okay. And uh, like many of her male uh, colleagues obviously got more spotlight. Um, she devoted her life, a lot of her life to teaching and education yeah. of, one, uh, of young, young people. Um, but she wrote lots of great songs that later on other people... Uh, who are more in the spotlight, like uh, Max Roach recorded mm -hmm. a couple of her compositions and they're oh, okay. incredible. And I found her, uh, found some videos of her and uh, some some records. So I'm trying to find as out as much as I can from her. And I really, really like it. I really, really like her playing and I'm inspired by it. And I'm, I always love that if there's, if, if there's, um, if it's hard to find things, about somebody yeah. yes so you have to do some kind of detective work to get you know to get to the good stuff and then to share this yeah. with others is very very nice i feel like look at what i've accumulated about this mm -hmm. person let's let's enjoy it together yeah yeah i think people like you are such treasures in society because of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're a true researcher Yeah, it's, thank you. But I think it's, that's something that I can't help. It's, it's, I have to do this, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, if, if I like something, I've, I try to follow it all the way. Right. Because I feel like we, we let so many nice moments <clears throat> and music and people pass by. Yeah. With a quick rating. Mm -hmm. Great record. Ciao. <laughs> Next record. Uh, very nice guy. Blah, blah, blah. Ciao. See you again sometimes. I don't know. But I, I, I like to stick to this feeling and, and, and no, try to get to know more about it, which is why we're talking when, you know. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. What, what are you checking counter, on? Uh, counter trend. To what, yeah, to what it looks like, the world right now. I am what? checking out, um, I'm actually in a super uh, explorer mode right now. So I'm checking out a lot, a lot of things. So it's hard to choose one. Um, you don't have to choose. Choral music always, lately mm -hmm. especially. I mean, for the past couple of years, a lot. I was listening to the Miserere by Goreski, and I really love it. I don't know this. Um, what I, is this? Did I say it right? I don't know. What is, what, can you say it again? Miserere? And then the composer isn't... That's how my dad always calls him. Goreski? Goretsky. How do you say it? I don't know. I, I've, I've... I, you definitely know him. Yeah? Do I? Yes, of course. Let me not expose myself too big on this 
video and <laughs> type it for you. You definitely do. But if not, then I'm happy for you too. Yeah. You no, I no. I've okay. I've read the, I've I've read this name before, but I don't I I've never heard a note. I think. Okay. Okay. Well, I first heard when because my parents used to listen to this. Oh my God! What is it called? It's not the Lake of Disappointment. Is I think it's the Symphony Number no. Three by him. Mm -hmm. Yes, incredible. It has this. It actually has been an inspiration for some stuff I wrote for Insamu, but um, mm. has a uh, this slow moving low chords with strings and then a singer that just then it grows, grows and it's just like ah you know <laughs> and i didn't know what it was about and mm -hmm. alistair told me that actually this is later information for me speaking about lyrics that this the lyrics of this piece are testimonies from victims of World War II. Wow. Uh, I don't remember the specifics. I never looked them up, so I don't know what they're saying. I have the feeling it will be too much for me because I already feel a lot <laughs> when when hearing that piece. But yeah, I was listening to the Miserere. That's something I was listening to yesterday. Also, my friend showed me this one. This is what I was listening to today. Check it out. Can you hear it? No. <laughs> Very softly. Okay, let me put it on the on the interface so it's out. Output. Okay. There we go. I'm gonna blast it so you get it. <laughs> the build up of the groove that I love is a bit, it's coming. But... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah wow this is what i was checking out today and my friend Dario showed me actually the one who helped me with the synths uh-huh um, nice i was also listening because i met jason lindner this summer and, mm -hmm. and Panayotis Andreo, they just gave me so much stuff to check out. Mm. It was very cool. And uh, I was, Jason played some song by Caterina Barbieri. And because I'm in the synth world now, I've been also listening to her, but I feel still like I'm just checking it out. I, and there's an album from a band from Belgium that I want to I will promote anywhere I can. <laughs> Go ahead. Called uh, Nactes. And the, the trio is called Merope. Uh, uh -huh. She's Lithuanian. And I think the other two are Belgian. She sings and plays some string instrument from Lithuania. I don't know the name. And it's just so, so, so beautiful. Like I've been on that one for many years. Oh, um, nice. So whenever I need to feel good, I just put that one on. Um, ah, that's good. Even through my 
darkest hours when I lost my friend in such a tragic way. I kind of was alone at home in Amsterdam and it was so horrendous that that was kind of that album got me through. So I mean, mm -hmm. I'm forever uh, wow, forever on on that record. It's just really pretty. Um, what else? Say the name again, please. Merope is a trio, and the album is Nactes. Okay, great. Yeah, I say mm. it close to the microphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you want to get into it, but I'm interested in, like, if we experience loss or grief, music can be something that can be of help, but it also can mm -hmm. be something that might be, in a way, too close, because it brings us so close to our feelings. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm totally down about talking of anything related to this because actually right now I'm in a period in which I, uh, it started, I came back from like a month of touring, this more, more personal stuff, but, and, or I've just been traveling so much this year after that happened. And then suddenly I'm here at home just going to my studio every day to write music and hello what did i find inside you know it's all of that so uh mm -hmm. so it's kind of coming out like it's actually pretty crazy for me i never went through something like this just yeah i mean i think these are two different things first the thing of bringing feelings closer i don't know i never kind of escaped feeling things too much which is a beautiful thing and also sometimes makes me you know be taken by the tsunami i just really like feeling things so mm. i don't know it has always been how i face things even the this is the most painful thing i've been through and i still was like i guess i have to feel it and uh, so i didn't i mean that music just brought me comfort but yeah I mean, I've seen that happen many times where uh, just not necessarily what someone needs right then. Uh, yeah. And now writing is like, yeah, it's pretty crazy because I never thought I needed, I never thought I wanted to write about stuff like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, but there's no escape. Like, it's part of you. Kind of. So it's gonna. That's come what out. is there yeah. now, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's crazy because I'm just like, damn it! Like, I'm finding what can be the way where I feel okay, bringing so much darkness and pain to other people. Because I, music is not just for me, you know. I can do it in my home but it's going to be something that comes out like it's for other people mm -hmm. and uh, the music should be an uplifting experience not to say happy music I mean I think we need so much the music that helps us 
go through our pain as well precisely because it brings it to the surface you know it's there mm -hmm. and uh we find like a resonance board i i saw some quotes from tarkovsky a couple of days ago that said maybe i can find one second because i took a screenshot Okay, modern art has taken a wrong turn in abandoning the search for the meaning of existence in order to affirm the value of the individual for his own sake. Mm. What purports art to be art begins to look like an eccentric occupation for suspect characters who maintain that any personalized action is of intrinsic value simply as a display of self-will. But in an artistic creation, the personality does not assert itself it serves another higher and communal idea. The artist is always the servant and is perpetually trying to pay for the gift that has been given to him as if by a miracle. Mm. I want really to read cool. it again five times right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went know. by so fast. All these fancy, has all the fancy words. I'll send it to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, to you. They're from this super nice uh, site called Niche. Mm -hmm. uh, that you do you know this? No. I think you will like it a lot. Yes. Yeah, they have a me. website and they're also on social media. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're always just posting quotes from people, but they're very beautifully curated. Like yeah. that with uh, pictures. Um, so, so yeah. what did it, what this, did this quote uh, tell you or what, what does it mean to you right now? Dear listeners. This is an afternoon to provide you with some context. Pablo and I thought it would be a good idea to let you know what we are referring to when we talk about this. On December 2022, my first love and former partner of many years was kidnapped and murdered along two other members of his family. Carry on. Okay, so here I'm going to step into a thing. I have now inside this information about torture and murder that is and very extreme violence and yeah. all the pain derived from this yeah and i sometimes want to scream about it and i make texts about it and i make drawings about it and you know then now i have to write the full program which is not I have to because I want to, but I also have, have a specific date in which this has to happen, you know? And um, I mean, there is just a lot of darkness there. And maybe part of it is a bit of an exorcism for me sometimes to talk about it. But it cannot just be like, I've never really connected so much with this catharsis just because of, for the sake of catharsis, when it clearly is serving only the artist that is performing it. I mean, I think there's value mm. in that, but it's not what I'm aspiring to. I think, as I said, it's not just displaying my individual experience, especially one like this. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people can relate to it. Um, yeah. But... Hope gladly most don't, you know? Mm. 
I mean, and this, of course, implies a lot. Of, I mean, it's not only the violence, the torture, the murder, the... I mean, I feel a lot of things from this. But, uh, you know, the, even the question of where is home, uh, because, you know, I am... I left the place I was born into to live somewhere else. And then, you know, a lot of matters like this that are pretty, you know, universal, just but pain from different sources, just it is the reality right now. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of pain to deal with and um, I'm doing okay. And I'm happy to be dealing with it. I mean, happy is a big word because it's very uncomfortable, but uh, mm -hmm. just, I don't want to make art just for the sake of my catharsis. If it's not going to bring transcendence to anyone else, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to figure out how that looks like. Because as I told you, I never wrote about anything I don't feel. Yeah. I think you have to, I think you just have to go through it. But the thing is, right now I feel like you're such an incredible artist that you will make this, that you will look at this problem or at this topic or these feelings from all sorts of angles. Right. Thank you. That's not going to that's not going to make uh, the 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 pain or the violence any less tragic or or yeah. uh crazy or or um horrible. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure you're going to find perspectives that will maybe even be could be understood in other ways like right yeah if you look at a situation um of things that happen between people horrible or beautiful you can usually deduct an even um even simpler plot to it You know what I mean? Um, things happen. Um, you say something you didn't want to say. Um, and you react in a weird way you wouldn't want to, you know, react. Usually you, you can deduct it to being um, okay, I was misunderstood, but the misunderstanding was actually misunderstanding was actually in a way a feeling that I was not loved or seen. You know what I mean? Like there's an right. underlying yeah, logic yeah. Be, be, uh, behind every kind of situation, interaction. Mm -hmm. Of course, what happened to your friend was so senseless that there's hard to find something that is, there's a, any kind of logic to it. But the way yeah. you deal with that pain can be looked at from other perspectives that are maybe some perspectives might be right in the pain right or might be outside of it where you just look at pain itself or or you know and kind of find a way of dealing with that i'm not i didn't prepare this you know it's not supposed to be yeah, a perfect speech or whatever it's no, just no, no, i'm no, just okay. having a feeling like yeah it so makes sense for you to to just do what you do and you're you're um 
such an artist that will make a varied program out of that, a varied couple of compositions, a, a, a journey um, that I'm, I'm, I don't doubt that is going to be something that will be of value and also uplifting for people. You know. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, you know, yeah. there, in, when we played at Clang, there was one moment where you played this, the, you played a song on your own, right? And you told the mm -hmm. story, I think. Yeah, maybe. Uh, too broad, broadly. Yeah. You, you, you spoke about loss and death and, you yeah. know, for a long time, you, there was actually a long, long speech. Not too long, but yeah. you know, it was. Yeah. It took uh, yeah. Uh, took a certain amount of of the set, and it was appropriate right. and it was worth it. Yeah. And of course, you had the you had the audience like this. Everybody was like, well, what, "What's happening now?" And then yeah. you sung sung this touching song for a long time. And to me, that was the perfect. Um, a combination of dealing with something that is so full of pain and and horrible feelings but after the song was gone everybody was like touched on the deepest level i've i felt i, I, I can, of course mm -hmm. i can only speak for myself or what i saw in the the eyes of the people but i think that's 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 the power of of what you can do if you do right. this for one set It's great. I think it's going to be great. And uh, um, you know this album by Björk where she, um, as we shouldn't compare this in terms of pain, but still there's this album where she talks about her... Um, divorce. Divorce, right. Yeah, Vulnikura. Oh, yeah. Deep oh, yeah. album. Deep right. album. And it's, yeah, very and it's sad. And it's a sad album. But do I feel yeah. sad when I listen to it? Not all oh, the man, time. I had a very, very hard heartbreak, actually, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, you then you find that kind of stuff also now, like because <laughs> mm -hmm. these things just stay with you a long time. Of course. And and I remember, I mean, on another trip by myself, I was listening to that album a lot. I mean, I definitely felt. Uh, You know, I was very lonely on that trip because I was heartbroken, but I was listening to that album constantly and in, in, that was my company, you know, and I was just like, heartbreak, I mean, heartbreak is brutal. I mean, mm -hmm. it's one of the worst pains anyone can experience, mm -hmm. really. Like, of course, if you think about it, it's like, no, no one's going to die just because you don't have the love you wanted, but it feels that way. <laughs> it really it really feels like that mm -hmm. <laughs> um so yeah what was i saying no yeah i was saying no that it also got me through that yeah but do you do you know what i'm i'm talking about in yeah. terms of yeah. that album exactly it's a sad yeah. topic yeah, yeah, totally. and it's the topic throughout yeah. the whole record and she's yeah. looking at the that topic from all sorts of angles um uh, but to me what i get from it is is not just sadness um or 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 depression or whatever or i'm not only, yeah. only thinking about heartbreak or or uh, yeah you know loss or whatever yeah 
No, I'm also looking. I'm looking always. Um, I'm I'm looking forwards also when I listen to it. Well, but I'm sure someone would find it a bummer at some point. Depends on the occasion, right? Yeah. I mean, but she also has this part, for example. Uh, she has this one called Family in that album. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, is there a place? I think I think it's that song, but I could be mixing titles where I can pay respect for the death or for the loss of my family. There is a mother and a child. There is a father and a child, but no woman and man or something like this. Mm -hmm. It says so. You know, it's her grief song for the loss mm -hmm. of her family, and then it goes into this magical kind of lush sound world and she's like i invent a monument of love to put you know or she or in this other one black lake which is one of the mm. darkest one in yeah. that album you know you have nothing to give your heart is hollow like it's like oh god it's yeah. so heavy you know <laughs> like i did it for love i honored my feelings you betrayed your own heart corrupted that organ it's just like whoa, whoa. yeah yeah I, or like uh she, yeah, she speaks about endless sorrow. Will I ever recover? And then there's another. I think I'm speaking about the same song, but she's like, how, how will I sing us out of this madness? She mm -hmm. sings, and I guess also for her children, yeah, or her child. Uh, so I think even in that heartbreak album, there is often little tips of, but this cannot be it, you know? Yeah, I feel all of this. But I will invent a monument of love to protect us, like an amulet, you know? And I think that's also part of what makes it, you know, it, it's full of energy. Yes. And also, I think the, the yes. sheer um, fact of you writing something that came out of a horrible situation and terrible loss. Mm -hmm. But the sheer fact that you created something, gave birth to something new, is already, you know, is is not uh, giving up. It's like, of okay, course. here we, here yeah, we yeah, go, yeah. here we go. Of course. You know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. No, it's going to be cool. It's just, uh, I'm right in the kind of beginning of the hill but yeah we'll see where this goes we'll talk about it later i'm sure it's gonna be a beautiful transcendent uh, moment sometimes when i i've felt the most lost i always just it's very beautiful for and very i'm so grateful for this that if you're lucky to just kind of have um is vocation a wheel in English? Uh, a vocation a word? Like the... I think so. You know, a direction in your life, like like you and me, that we love music and art so much. Just, you're never truly, truly lost. Or, I mean, I don't know, I'm only speaking for myself, because in the darkest moments... Listen, my life is fine. I'm not saying... <laughs> I know there's a lot of people going through very hard things. I'm yeah. really doing... Well, you know, I'm yeah. fine. 
But uh, in the moments of darkness where I'm like, oh my God, everything hurts. I always kind of have a pocket somewhere that says, but if I keep making things, I'm always going to be okay. Yeah. And that is really a, that's really <laughs> a treasure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Another thought is also, if you write a repertoire for a concert, maybe I said this before already, but, um, you're not going to write like 10 ballads or, you know what I mean? You, you have, you'll have it varied. So having finished one song might initiate to write something that is something that goes against it or goes, uh, is, mm. uh, creates a contrast. But for now, it seems like that's kind of your fuel right now. You know, that it gives you something to talk about, something to share, something to initiate ideas uh, or creativity. And um, a lot of times we maybe don't have that, you know, that's, that's that, that, yeah. that well of creativity that where you just can't help it. But, whoa, this is all of this is coming out. I don't know how I, how I can make sense of it all, but it's coming out and I need to capture it. Right. Yeah. When you feel like you have nothing to say, you mean? Yeah. Sometimes we have these periods. And mm -hmm. you don't seem to be in this period right now. You seem to be in a different period, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I'm reading this book by Rick Rubin about creativity. And mm. he says, like, whenever you get an idea, always finish it or always stay as long as you can with the creative spark, with the creative energy, because this will be the most natural uh, gift that you'll get regarding this first idea if you want right. to if you leave it after 10 minutes and do something else and then think about yeah tomorrow i have some time tomorrow to work on it it'll not be the same so he says you should stay as long as you can with one thing you know with that first energy and really milk it and then deal with it later of course but see how far you can take it right yeah it's like just a shame that sometimes person. dates uh and st things that we have to deal with get in the way and and you know yeah i often get ideas before i have to leave <laughs> me too always man what's, always. what's up with that yeah 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 you're there trying stuff and then you're like okay now i have to take this train yeah <laughs> and then, exactly yeah i know it happens always to me too i wonder why is that i think I never thought about it, but right right now when you asked, I, I thought about, you know, oftentimes before I leave, I deal with everything that I have to deal with, pack my things, and then I see, oh, the train is delayed. Ah, okay, I'm just going to go to the piano. And you're unassuming. You're, you're, you're free of, right. of the wish to create something. You just, yeah, 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 yeah. just sit there. Well, let's see. And uh, oh, For shit, sure. what is this? Ah, let me write this down. Ah, oh, fuck. Now I have to leave. What, yeah. what do I do? Uh, maybe I sing the rest into the voice memo while I go to the, you know. Uh -huh. Yeah, totally. And then you try that to makes tap. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then you try to tap into that feeling when you get to the place or when you get back home. And it's not there in the, you know, 
you're a good enough artist to work on things with all the tools that you have learned, fine. But it's not the same as whoa, where where does it? This is weird. Where does it come from? I don't yeah. know what this means. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe that's why a lot of people, including me, like late nights so much, because mm. that's kind of a. I mean, time stays the same, but uh, there's this feeling sometimes when it's past three, you're not supposed to be doing anything that you're supposed to be doing, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. at least it's easier to enter that free play because mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not going to answer that message because mm -hmm. I don't know, like you gave up already on your to-do list at that point and then <laughs> there's space. Yeah, yes, extra this, time, for this. extra time. Yeah. Mm hmm then you're tired the day after then it all shifts forever <laughs> yeah, it, does. it does until later uh but yeah i mean i think you just put your finger on it hmm. tell me about han benning uh, i love that concert that you guys you guys played it's beautiful thank you i love han benning this is the first thing i will say um Yeah, he is so much a fun and true artist. I met him on stage on that concert, kind of. Like in the sound check, we said hi. Of course, we sound check real briefly. Yeah, then we talked a little bit before the show, but it was also kind of brief. Like I called him on the phone. When uh, when we were going to do that show to see if he wanted to do anything in particular so I could prepare. And he was like, what do you play again? I'm a singer and bassist. Okay, yes. He was like, listen, I don't play normal drums. A few things, sometimes the clogs, you know, the wooden clogs. And uh, he was just like, and I don't like reading. See yeah. you there. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. See you there. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, it great was rehearsal. a live stream. So... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then he was like, okay, camera in 10, 8. And he just turned on me and he was like, oh, this is so sweet. I'm almost shy of sharing it because it's such a treasure for me. <laughs> But he was like, do you know what? Meshik? Uh, I just understood there was something missing and it was you. Oh. He told me. <laughs> yeah. And then we played. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. That was What did he call you? I... Meshe, you know, girl. Oh, okay. Like, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always schatje. Meshe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schatje. See you there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like darling or like dear mm -hmm. in Dutch. Mm -hmm. um, then he invited me to play with him in his in his birthday, mm, nice. which was very cool. Yeah, like I, I mean, he made like a whole festival out of his birthday, like with different dates and stuff, mm -hmm. which makes sense. Uh, and yeah, so I went there, and uh, we sang the Spongo Romantique der Hase. He's like. An absolute banger from Isha Mengelberg. You probably know it. No, I don't know it. 
Uh, it's, it's like the song he wrote. I mean, I'm sure he has more, but I think it's the most popular one with lyrics. It's over a poem. This is not about hand bending, though. But I mean, yeah, because he was so close with Misha, you know. Yeah. He Han Benick sings this song in almost every concert, mm. or at least all of the ones I've seen. He loves this song. I love it too. Aaron Sklerum showed it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spongo Romantic the it's other half a need for buzzer and summer. The spawn of romantic The summer spawn that start well on. Half boven in noch what to dozen and has Er zijn ook de krijgen vleugels en springen dan van tak tot tak. Ze fladderen naar hinse heuvels, daar voelen zij zich zeer op hun gemak. De sprongberomantiek de hazen. So steil und hoch und federlich. Es hat der Haufen nicht verbasert. Oh. This poem, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this poem about hares. You know, the, how we call them? Yeah, the big rabbits. The rabbits, long rabbits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but you call them different, huh? Hares? Herrings. That herring is a fish. Hase, we say in German. So that's okay. There you go. Same, yeah. Same, yeah. Yeah, you understand the lyrics, right? Most of it. No, or I not. don't. I, Especially I maybe not with my Mexican accent. <laughs> I, I really like yeah. how it sounds, actually. Your Dutch. <laughs> like, it's interesting Dutch. <laughs> Mendes Dutch. Men yeah. Dutch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like this poem about. Uh, these rabbits' hairs uh, jumping together, and then they jump from branch to branch, and then they fly away to distant hills, and they feel very good. And there's like, so it will not surprise you. This is a hair poem, so it's beautiful <laughs> and really <laughs> absurd, you know. And yeah, like hand plays it every time. It's nice. really nice. Yeah. There's what? a video of Misha Mengelberg. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I I saw this video of them playing in the BIM house with the ICP orchestra. And he died from dementia, right? I think. Mm, so be, yeah. he couldn't really play the piano anymore. But I was so moved because the music dies last. He can't play the piano anymore, but he's there whistling the song. Mm. and yeah that was so beautiful to see because it's just like the the music is still there it's just even if he doesn't recognize people or the music is there mm. that's crazy mm-hmm. anyway what do you want to ask well what struck me when i saw your concert is 
the way where how you guys met mm. in terms of where you come from and where he comes from mm. and how you could find that middle ground where both can do what they do mm. without sacrificing you know uh, or trying to assimilate and and become part of the other's tradition in a way right because sometimes in my not so good moments when i i love playing free you know i love to improvise but sometimes when i play with people that i associate with the free improv scene i -hmm. feel like i have to maybe i'm overly impressed i feel like i have to succumb to or what's the word i don't know i have to um to become a different kind of guy to be able to play with them weird noises and things like that yeah but that's not taking serious what they do you know but you know what but you know what i mean yeah that's what the audience sometimes says yeah yeah everybody's just playing you know that's not it i think um but maybe I have so so high respect for that that I try to play differently like I usually would to um, mm-hmm. to do the right thing in this situation, and therefore I totally lose track of who I am, you know that's interesting, but also some some things that I hold as important might not be the best decisions or the best tools for this kind of setting. Such as um, what? <laughs> ah, it's hard to get in, go into detail about this. Funk mm. bass lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to play my funk bass lines when I, when I play with anybody. Just play, <laughs> play my, my Leave stuff. me alone. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm what I'm trying to say, right? I think so. Yeah. I've, so I I, have, so. I felt like when I saw you guys mm-hmm. do what you did, I felt none of that. Mm, that's great. It's like um, it's like take away all the music. You and Han just met on stage, and had mm-hmm. a talk about things. Mm-hmm. And he. We didn't have to know where you came from, which school you went to, and and you know yeah. whatever you could talk with each other. Right. That's deep. But I think he, there was also a lot of goodwill, you know, because I did not have. A, I mean, I'm there with such a master. I mean, I think hopefully it would be something that would happen with anyone, but like I'm saying this. For myself, hopefully I would be like this with anyone, I hope so. Uh, but just if, I mean, also he's very famous for being kind of disruptive on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, okay, who knows where this is going to go? Could go mm-hmm. anywhere. Uh, and therefore, there was no, no expectation at all of where it could go. And then I think he was also very sweet. Like he, he did not want to disrupt 
whatever I was bringing. Mm -hmm. He could have done that too, you know? But yeah. I think he kind of personally just felt like sweet towards yeah. me, you know? Yeah. It's great. I'm going to watch it again soon. I really loved it. Thank you. When you started working together with uh, Louis Cole, I wonder how it felt in terms of entering a scene mm. of people. Um, you're stepping into something that is tot that totally fits to what you're doing, but it's different from your music. Yeah, for sure. Very much. It's, yeah. it's different. Yeah. You don't seem out of place when I see you in a video or, you know, of him right. dancing around and singing all this music, you know, you don't <laughs> seem out of place. It, it fits. It's yeah. great. You know, it, ma it makes sense. But I'm interested in how it felt for you to get into that scene. Um, well, first I, I knew his music and also Genevieve's music just by, yeah, I mean, I was a fan of them. Um, my friend Ty showed me a video of Louis doing Weird Part of the Night. And he was like, this is the sickest thing. You have to check it out. <laughs> and I always like people doing something special, you know, and that's so special. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was really cool. And I met them, um, uh, because they were coming to play in the Netherlands and they had a dead week in between two shows. And uh, then, well, I was living with Thais at that point. And then he knew a lot of people from LA. So he knew some of the band members because he had lived there. And then we met them and was like, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? No, we have no gigs. We couldn't find it. He was like, why don't you play at our house? Mm -hmm. uh, the neighbors are gone. So they came and played there. Yeah, again, I'm giving you the big story. I, I'm so go sorry. Ahead. I, I can't it. help it. I'm so no, much a talker. <laughs> okay, good. That's what we're so, here yeah, for. It was one of these... Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, maybe he's going to tell me bye now. Oh, no, he, he wants to talk about more stuff. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also enjoying it a lot. But yeah, I mean, that's how I, I met him, you know, because he came and played in my living room one day that that the two neighbors were miraculously on holiday because they were pretty sensitive with sound. And he's like, I'll bring the big band. So suddenly we had this crazy show in our living room. And uh, I played too, some songs and Entice played and Ben also played, Ben Van Kelder. So that's how we knew each other. And then after I kept on listening to his music and Genevieve's music too, I'm a huge fan of her of her compositions. She's really one of my favorite composers in the world. I mean, both of them are some of my favorite artists. Um, and I saw them again in Glasgow right before the pandemic because I was playing there and they were playing and then Jen told me, come over and whatever. I, I went there and I remember seeing them and feeling like, these are my people. 
<laughs> I just felt it. Like mm -hmm. they were pretty far from me at that point. Like we didn't have any real connection besides, oh, how nice. And of course they had played in my house, but just remember seeing the, the their shows because they each play a show and being like, they are my people. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that was it. Then, then, um, then Louis invited me to play with him in the Metropole thing, Metropole Orchestra, that beautiful program. And yeah, from then on, we we started working a lot more together. And yeah, I mean, in a way, it has felt like I always felt they are my people. So it's natural to me because I find the philosophy behind what they do. So I feel this kinship, you know, with the ways of seeing music, even if the end result of sound is different. Just mm -hmm. the spirit, kind of. I think we share that, uh, and that's why we were drawn to each other. Um, and they are really so inspiring. Louis is so inspiring to me. And um, but I also have felt like it. I I did a tour with him last summer, and it was my first time. You know, not doing the orchestra thing, but just his other shows, and. I don't know. I was there and Jen was like, still got my heart working overtime, you know, and I was just like, I saw one video and I was like, oh, my God, I look like a chopstick next to her. I was just like, <laughs> I love dancing. You know, mm -hmm. I that's what I did first. I did it for years. It's not. But it just it was such a different environment, like this kind of, you know, she's like. Everyone's about to crowd surf all the time and touching yeah. people's hands. You know, it's a different vibe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but somehow it kind of really made sense to me. And and I had the feeling I have to put on a bit of a different persona or something. I was discovering it, like how to insert myself, feeling myself, like to not fake it, you know, to not fake dance, fake. Yeah, know, to... describe that, please. Yeah, well, I mean, you're in a certain energy. I usually often play just with the bass or stuff. It really opened a nice dimension that I wanted, actually, in me, because I danced so much. But I hadn't really danced in my shows. So there, suddenly, that's kind of like, there's not always a choreography. It's more like there's this rock star vibe going on or this pop star vibe going on. And this is just how it goes. And if I don't flow with it then i'm the chopstick on stage you know <laughs> <laughs> so then uh yeah i was trying to figure out how i think it was in me but just how and uh, they lost their luggage um mm. on the way to to sardinia we had a show there and they lost mm -hmm. it and then we still had like four shows and it just would always be in the city behind us. Like we never got it. <laughs> and then everyone was just like, do you have socks? Like we had such a tight schedule in that tour. So we really had little chances to restock on the necessary things. So we had no clothes, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we were in Fano uh, in Italy and we found the time to go. Everything was closed. It was Sunday or something, but there was this swim shop open and then uh we picked some stuff and everyone kind of picked for me this like zebra outfit 
and I had like these big sunglasses and it was something I would have never chosen just <laughs> in the like it's not something I would have but that night I had these big sunglasses and my zebra outfit that was very cool I like and I yeah. kind of <laughs> it unleashed like some other persona in me really yeah it was so fun I, <laughs> yeah the zebra <laughs> then yeah. I was like about to crowdsurf I swear I was just mm -hmm. shy to do it but <laughs> I was just like yeah and uh, I think I had some of that energy in mm -hmm. me you know and I always loved his music so I mean it's not that but it's super different that's something we talk about often because also he produced my album with me right so he's yeah. deep in we have I'm to talk about that now. yeah yeah but but uh yeah i mean somehow you would think we often talk about music we like and it's like i hate this and he's like mm, this doesn't excite me so much and it's crazy because we like each other's music so i mean <laughs> just i mean we're finding more things in common but yeah mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean i but often like we play these big big festivals and and it is funny because I know that I'm there and I'm jumping a lot. Like, for example, with the big band, my singing parts are pretty on point. Like, they're not crazy singing parts. There's like, you know, some things. And a huge part of the job is to be the hype bomb of it. And I have discovered the jumper in me. Yeah. And it kind of becomes even my challenge. Like, today I'm going to sing, I'm going to jump non-stop through these two songs and then it's like cardio yeah. for me yeah but it's so crazy because i see the energy that it reflects back you know like when you're we played very big festivals this summer and then maybe you're there before ten thousand people and it's so crazy to see that if i go wow well, then suddenly yeah. I see the audience go, frrr, frrr, yeah. you know, yeah. it has a direct impact. Yeah. <laughs> so that has been like, it opened a new part of me that I think was there and I really enjoy it. But also I know that it's always a bit funny because I'm just like, they don't know, like all these people see me and then sometimes they come and be like, wow, you were so great. Thank you for your energy and your singing and stuff. And they have no idea that I'm a composer and yeah. an improviser and yeah. that I'm a yeah. double bassist, you know? Yes. It's like such a... I'm there jumping with a skeleton. It's like super out. Yeah. Very out. Yeah. yeah. But it's very fun. And, you know, I'm always inspired by the energy around it and the music is beautiful. So, yeah, like, music is sick. So, I mean, it, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. How uh, How is the dynamic when he's producing your your album? Oh, that was so fun. It was really fun because I first, because he's, you know, the DIY artist. And it just was exactly what I needed because I didn't know anything about, I mean, I had done things on Logic, as I told you, but never, I didn't know anything really about production. So it was super uh, enriching for me because just for, by doing it together, I really absorbed a lot. Uh, and but I always wanted to do that first kind of studio album as a I don't know I tried a couple of times just going to the studio and having a like a normal session and it never really felt like the right way especially because I had waited so long and had so many opinions on on the music and kind of came from such a private space I really wanted to 
take the time. Like that was my goal. Like I'm going to do this album in a way in that um, it's in my laptop and I will learn how to produce with it. And yeah. if I need to change this section or add new vocals or whatever, I can do it in my toilet if I like how it sounds. Like I don't want to be yeah. limited by these kind of things because I want to be able to experiment with this. This is a new ways. This is a form of expression in itself, you know? So yeah. so that was my goal with it. And I had I um was very lucky to well, I had this residency at Beam House that is about to finish. That was the first project I proposed. Like I had that burning in my heart. I had never made a studio album. Like my first album, the live one, was kind of I don't know. I just played my final exam. I didn't think that would be an album. It's not like I never made an album, you know. Maybe I put it out later, but <laughs> um so yeah, I mean I, that was something very important for me just to feel like the songs that had brought me something meaningful and I could see that sometimes bring that bring something to other people. They should be in a place where they're there for anyone who might need them. It's not fair to make music that you find. Yeah, that you find meaningful and then keep it to yourself or something. Mm -hmm. So that was very important for me before moving on because I was already these are kind of you know, I told you these are from 2017, 19, like they're not new songs. Yeah. Uh, but it just didn't feel right to Keep make them to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Because I was already writing so many different things. I was like, before I move on to yeah. record that, I should really give a space to these ones. Um, so, yeah. So I, I had that goal. And then I had a session at the Beam House. And then I got this multi track. There were like 40 microphones on the drums and it was like recorded on Cubase. So the session, it was insanely heavy and it would never open pro properly on my laptop because it was just like, I was just like, oh, I don't know, because that recording setup they have there is amazing, but it's thought of as a live performance thing. It's not thought of production. Hmm. Even doing overdubs was challenging in there. So I had this mess of takes that I for a first production was very challenging <laughs> for me to deal with. I would always be like, oh, I was getting a headache from trying to figure out what was what because the clips were all over each other all the time. And mm. yeah, and then I started, you know, working with Louis Moore and I had a new song. And uh, I asked him if he wanted to produce it together. That one, one is not in VP. It's uh -huh. not in VP. But I played it at Clang. It's a which one? It was a very sad, dark one with a large ensemble with only the singers and some electronics. Yeah. Well, I anyway. would need a title, I think. Do you have a title? Uh, yeah, it's called I the Me. Huh. Maybe if I hear it, I'll, I remember it. Right. Well, no spoilers. Okay. <laughs> um, Oh, yeah, right. You told me like that there's going to be the EP that just came out and there's going to be another album. Right? Yeah, for sure. There will be yeah. more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's like a, they're not connected or I mean, they are because it's me. But yeah, so we produced that new song and it was very 
very fun and it flowed so well and then i was like would you like trying this other one it was the cuando te voy a decir the one that he really did the whole production you know and mm -hmm. and he was like sure let's try it and it was so fun because we were we did most of it here with a shoebox you know or with whatever like i had some dessert and then whatever plate of yeah. the you know the thing that it came with then we played on that and then whatever my broken maraca you know we used whatever we had and then we borrowed a bass drum from someone detuned it a lot like we he said wow. i think we have the most lo-fi kit in europe so that was so refreshing for me because it was it just made a lot of sense with the approach i had so it just really worked you know and then it i was also not having so much fun doing that album by myself as i told you mm. so i was just like would you like to do this whole thing with me because we we had done those two and it had been so fun and he was like all right so um so yeah that's how it that's how it went mm -hmm. but i don't know if i answered the question i went through a lot of places but yeah the the process <laughs> sounds like he took off a lot of pressure uh, that we kind of self-impose on us like i'm gonna do a recording you know and it's gonna be you know yeah I'm going to do a yeah, proper yeah, yeah. recording and right. it's not, it's not about the music. It's yeah, just yeah, the yeah, way exactly. that you record it. And um, yeah. also a way to, to give yourself an excuse to prolong the process a little bit because you have to find right, the to right like equipment, the real thing. Uh, yeah. different studio, maybe yeah. uh, this is not the right. Yeah. Ah. right. And if you in that um, DIY mindset, You can mm -hmm. do it anytime, anywhere with exactly. all the tools that you have. And the music exactly. is inside you. You, If you travel yeah. to Los Angeles, it's going to be there with yeah. you or in Bucharest. Right. You you know, it's yeah, going to be... Totally. That's interesting, right? I mean, we we learned all this stuff and now and then we walk around, buy groceries, uh, meet, a friend, meet a friend at a coffee place go on a plane or go on a train or something we have the music in us the whole time all these songs that we've learned yeah. i really find yeah. that fascinating it's interesting that we For are sure. the instrument in a way yeah yeah i think this applies also to all people right like to everyone just like yeah any expert or anything or even just the things that people love mm-hmm Like on a soft touch on the death topic again, that song I played in Clang, the long one I wrote for another friend that passed away many years ago. And I just remember he really loved astronomy and I love astronomy too. And we would often talk about, yeah, have you seen the newest pictures of the Hubble? Have you, whatever, yeah. we would talk about astronomy. And when he died, I couldn't help thinking like, man, he is in those places like mm -hmm. or he is he is those things that lived in his mind like there's no way i mean this energy does not disappear you know just mm -hmm. like uh yeah. and uh, i think everyone kind of is like this whole cosmos that if you take away the meat suit <laughs> yeah. it's just like 
there's some yeah some eternal content there mm -hmm. that's beautiful anyway yeah yeah but that was very cool with Louis. like it kind of really exactly relief it made so much sense because i that's anyway what i was trying to do so yeah it was very very fun and then we had a lot of sessions together but also it kind of you know i absorbed and then i had a lot of time by myself also to weekend things some a bit of a cycle i'm gonna get better but you know with just that the word should be like you know the tiny details you know that mm -hmm. no one else would care about but yeah. then so it was really refreshing that it was something that i could handle you know because then i don't need to bother anyone if i'm going to take eight hours with this part then it's okay but it's yeah. not costing me money and uh yeah, yeah um, it's not bothering anyone so that was very very cool he recorded some of his first albums I think the drums with the laptop microphone, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No bullshit. Yeah. 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 But what, I mean, what... high quality sound is cool too, of course. I'm not saying. No, no. That makes sense. Yeah. But what were other things that you found interesting watching him work? Um, the work ethics. Mm-hmm that it's like we're doing this and we bounce a version today like he has a really balanced way to view kind of free play and inspiration and experimenting but also kind of be practical but like okay but this version has to be something bounceable today mm -hmm. with what there is you know so that that was very inspiring also to see from so close yeah, what does it operate. what does it do to you as an artist then if you have this kind of in a way deadline a little bit attitude mm. i think it makes you kill some darlings like it just takes away some uncertainty like so i was thinking about this because sometimes i often struggle with deciding things when it's something i care about i think a lot of people do Ah, uh, just like, oh, if they give you a carte blanche, it's way harder deciding sometimes. Mm -hmm. Then and then maybe you will postpone that decision up mm -hmm. until you are left with fewer options just to make it easier. Yeah. In whichever situation. Like for music or whatever. Yeah. I think sometimes we postpone the decision just so that you don't have all the possibilities at hand anymore. Because it's very hard to choose yeah. when it, there's no end. Mm-hmm. So that's something that producing your own music, that's what it happens. Then there's no end because exactly you're not paying anyone for spending those 16 hours while you fix that vocal part that was kind of okay already, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's no end and that's magical, but also can be a bit like confusing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing that it does. It just, you always know you can revisit it. He revisits his mixes many, many times because he mixes and masters his own music always. Mm. And which is kind of like, because he's such a producer-minded artist, like when he writes a song, it's being produced already, you know? It's the recording. It's not like he performs it live. 
I mean, I guess it happens on rare occasions, but it's not like he performs it live and then he figures out how to make the studio version. He's producing a song. And um, he revisits it a lot, but I think this thing he has of being like, this has to be something by today, actually gives you a lot of freedom because then you have to kill some darlings and it makes it a bit easier to see what you actually didn't like. Yeah. Or what you yes like. Because if you are just like searching, searching, there's a time for that. But then you never, then you often take a long time to figure out what was it that needed to be better or something yeah. or different, you know? Yeah, that was very cool to see. Wow, that's cool. Hmm. Um, let's get to this album. Oh. How was the process for you with this? How did it feel to be, be the, um, part of this ensemble? Because I feel like you can't really take away your voice from this. It's, it's an integral part. And also the lyrics, mm -hmm. obviously, which I didn't understand. <laughs> but but yeah, okay. I think, hey, well, I think I'm in the... Tell you that booklet has a translation. If you There you go. Want. Yeah, I have to study it more deeply. <laughs> it's I have okay. to study it more deeply. But it's beautiful. And you have a lot. Look at all that people in your studio. You have a lot to study. That's true. Yeah. They are all looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for for maintaining the pressure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, such a beautiful album. I really liked it. Thank you. Or yeah, tell me stories that. about the album. Um. So, yeah, Ben invited me to do that, and he also told me I would like you to write the lyrics which I was very happy to do because I really like writing words. I always liked a lot Kid Down's music. Mm -hmm. I listened to the Obsidian solo mm -hmm. album some years ago with the organ and uh, it blew my mind, especially Rings of Saturn. You like yeah. it? You yes. Know it. Yeah. 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 You're, you're in the Kid family too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so i mean yeah all of amazing musicians then we had a session because it was like okay so which kind of we were listening to the material he had composed he was like in this situation where you have a few things but you know it was still not like the full repertoire or anything and being like this one sounds like it could have lyrics this one maybe this part not so much maybe this would sound better and then he told me all about the the actual sorry i'm fiddling and i disconnected my laptop there we go um all the the meaning of the project for him mm. uh It's revolving around this big concept of, you know, manifold, transcendence. Um, yeah. He explained to me, I felt like I had, okay, maybe this can, I have similar feelings about the world. Let me explore those. Then we had a session for lyric writing because i was like i think i need you to give me some more i had a lot on my plate i didn't really 
feel comfortable with coming up with it completely uh, by myself. It just because mm. I was doing a lot of other things and um, it was really beautiful because then we did an exercise I really like doing every time you need to write lyrics and don't have something. It needs just to put on a timer and do a free association or mm. just, you know, stream of consciousness, they call it maybe. Uh, so I was like, okay, let's put on the timer and both of us write, 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 just so we have words. And I came up with like all these big texts and he came up with this beautiful compact list of keywords of what the project was about or what, what kind of spiritual meaning it had for him. So from there, I kind of took the lyrics and some of them are like, a bit more in like the surreal abstract world like just also they somehow end up connecting you know they always they always end up having some meaning when you do these kind of things if you just let it flow but you know also just what feels nice in the mouth and the sounds with this melody and stuff and choosing like the words that sound the most beautiful that one is glass and then it mm -hmm. eventually you know these concepts drip through it uh and yeah, the other ones I um, manifold. Yeah, they they are all kind of revolving around the thoughts we both had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then we recorded um, in January. Yeah, I don't know. Is that a good enough story or more? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting to see that. Um, that process of just telling you what he's thinking about when he's writing this music and then what it what it brings to you or what you bring then. That association is interesting. I, I wonder how we can... I'm sure it, it's, it also happens subconsciously, but how could you translate that free association thing from lyric writing to music in terms of intervals or or musical ideas i guess it would be something like opening a session in whichever program you used to recording or just record if you, you know. uh -huh. and uh yeah it would be i think we do it all the time actually i think so you too, just right record and then Jam it out. Yeah. <laughs> like play. You'll play, play, play one play, idea play. and then the next idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then you listen back and then you choose what you like mm -hmm. and develop it or take it as it is. I mm -hmm. think it's exactly the same. Yeah. When you sung the rabbit song a while ago, I don't know how long ago, <laughs> I lost track of time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've I been talking for like, Three hours, almost three hours. Yeah, I yeah. I might have to go to bed really soon. But yeah, I, I want I, to talk about I'm this thing. Starting to be like, um, okay, tell me. It's a weird thought, but um, I was touched by what you sang. It was beautiful. I could have listened to f way longer. But one thought came to my mind was like, intervals are deep. <laughs> you oh, know nice. what I mean. <laughs> Yeah. You sung a perfect fifth, it sounded beautiful. And then you sung a third, 
and a whole tone. Intervals are deep. Um, and the reason why I'm saying this is I'm really amazed by the your ability to sing intervals and to mm. sing them ooh, precisely, but still with air around it, with flexibility, with life around it. But Thank the you. way you hit the notes is incredible. And I'm wondering how you, and if, I suppose you have, but how did you work on that? What your process um, is on, on, on working on your voice and the, the flexibility? Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Uh, that is something I, I have definitely worked on. I really like it. Um, I Flexibility of the voice, I kind of found my teacher. I had one teacher that was really helpful in kind of making me understand that voice is a, an elastic thing, mm. that there are no no steps yeah no you know? frets there are no like yeah, there are no, no no frets and no yeah. no changes you're not like in next position or anything mm -hmm. uh the voice is an elastic thing and of course different parts of your range operate differently but i think that physical um acknowledgement through the exercises uh, we did together and stuff really helped me in that sense just so that things flow uh, naturally, no matter how angular. Oh, angular melodies are always challenging for the voice because they're not very natural. That's not how we speak. That's not how we exercise our voice for the most part. Mm. Um, but I do love a lot of, like I sang a lot of instrumental music, you know, like my dear friend Brody Jarvie, he's an amazing composer and bassist who lives in Scotland. He's from Scotland. I used to play in his band and he that was the first band I was in, in which my role was to play, to sing melodies, you know, with the saxophonist. And he wrote all these beautiful melodies, sometimes very angular. So I think that was a, a good training for me. Then I, I learned a lot of music like that, that I loved. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just that, I think, trying to make it sound like music, you know, because they have feelings behind it. But then, you know, technically, technically kind of with this, this information I had on how to kind of balance um, air pressure and closure, I think this is what it is for singers. Yeah. More than anything. That's the most important thing to tackle technical problems is just to identify how to balance air pressure and glottal pressure and i also liked a lot for many years my for many years i don't know i changed but for a long time i had part of my warm-up to just take a low note and do intervals and make them like you know stacks of intervals so Can i would make demonstrate? them bigger every time oh god we drive from these three hours of talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm going to expose myself here. Oh, oh, oh. 
you know and and that was fourths no so then take that and make it bigger and bigger or smaller and try to get it up to speed going up and down bigger in terms Uh, of sound you mean no no like take a fifth then or i see i see yeah or you know six and then even major sevens or stuff like that Was I even right? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So to do that with a metronome. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. I did for a long time. I didn't see you warm up in Col- in Cologne. No, I haven't warmed up in a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's that, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about this. This is incredible. Uh, so, is there any kind of mental uh, warming up? Yeah, I think that is sometimes more important even for me. So, how does it work? But actually, I have to say, I, I I would love to get back to it more. I haven't really had rich, like any warm up at all in a long time, mm-hmm. kind of. Mainly just to, you know, and sometimes you don't even get to, but hopefully, especially with my band now, I want to make sure that we have a moment to see each other, like, you know, feel each other connect and be like, have a great show. You know, just yeah. <laughs> you know that little theme back. That little gesture is very important, I think. Yeah. And and especially that during the whole day of sound check and stuff, that you are kind of connected. Because sometimes there's so many things to take care of for the show that maybe people are interacting with each other and you as a band leader are busy with other things all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you get on stage and you feel disconnected from your peers, you know? So, so I think that's the main thing for me now to try to be very conscious when I wake up and I have a gig to be like, let's, when it's with a large ensemble, because it's the one, it always has more stuff to take care of, just to be like, let's be with the people, you know, in spirit. So then the music will feel that way. It's just so clear. It always turns out that way. (laughs) It kind of has a good impact. Um, I mean, I'm sure sometimes also, sometimes you don't see them at all and it's amazing anyway, but you know, that is, has been um, something that's more in my mind, but you know, write down my notebook. I used to do that a lot. Just like have like a little journaling moment for solo shows, especially because I like to leave space for improvisation. And then if I'm not tuned into myself, then they don't feel as honest or flowy. Yeah. So things like that. Yeah. That's beautiful, Fuen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> let's let's go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I still have to work. <laughs> oh yeah. For so for how long do you plan on working just now? Maybe like two hours. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for this. I really appreciate it. That was really fun <laughs> and and inspiring <laughs> and and yeah, just beautiful to talk to you. 
Yeah, you too. And you look so tired now, I'm realizing. Well, that's my yeah. thing. I always look tired, but now I look especially tired. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but thank you so much. It's so fun to talk to you. I feel like we, you we know, could go we, on. We, not, we, could we could go, go on. for hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we yes. will keep it up some other time. Dolorosas de recostarse sobre las nubes de